Well, hey, everybody. You know what it is. It's Float On. This is the podcast that gives you insight and guidance in seeing more beauty along the river ride that is life. You can't go back. You can only learn and move forward. I'm your host, Dahlia Jean, and I'm super excited that you're here to learn along with me as we inevitably float on. My guest for this week is not only a very special woman, but my second cousin. Let me just say, Wendy is actually pretty awesome. She's a crochet artist and a yarn enthusiast. She prides herself on being a wife and a mother. Wendy worked as a professional crochet helper for Twinkie Chan's famous piece titled Intangible, a fiber fairy tale, who has her work displayed at the Sweet Tooth Hotel in Dallas, Texas. Not only does Wendy work professionally, but also does freelance work and is a crochet instructor. In our conversation, Wendy opens up about her journey through supporting her husband through a heart attack and a quintuple bypass heart surgery. And how she used her own creativity to cope and learn from the intensely difficult and scary time in her life. I'm so happy to have Wendy on and it's such a joy to talk with. Let's get into my conversation with Wendy Chevalia. So, hey there, Wendy. I'm so glad to have you on. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I'm so, so happy you're here and I'm just glad that we're going to have this talk. I think this is sort of a special conversation because, you know, on this podcast, we talk about being life learners through struggles. But for you, I would say the centerpiece of our conversation is going to be being supportive of a loved one. Absolutely. So do me a favor. Tell me a little bit about your important moments as someone who really strives to learn from life and how you feel everything sort of led you to that realization. When I was 16 years old, my dad died and it was four days before my 17th birthday. And so I went through life really without a father and needing answers to questions that I had tons and tons of them. And even still tons. Yeah. And so I found that, you know, you, you have to go looking for those answers. You're not going to get those answers easily, you know, from a parent. Yeah. So it kind of led me. Do you feel like that experience was the one pivotal thing where you're like, I have to be in charge of my own learning through life? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think dads are, I don't know what it's like to have a dad as an adult. I have no idea. I know what it's like to have a dad as a 16 year old. And I knew at that time that, you know, he, anytime you had something, you go to your dad, you talk to your dad, man problems as you get older. I mean, all these crazy things that come up in life where you need a male to talk to and you don't, you don't have that. So, yeah. And it's a different kind of feeling. I feel like for me growing up, I was super close to my mom's dad. I mean, you know, for, I, I mean, I mentioned it in my intro, but for anyone listening, Wendy and I are actually second cousins. So we, you know, she knows my family. You know that my dad grew up two states away. Well, I grew up with my dad two states away. And um, my mom's father was a huge, huge part of my life. We were together almost every day. So I can relate to, I totally understand what you're saying. Like having a male figure in your life is really, really important. Yeah, it's very important. And then, you know, I met Mike, my husband, when I was 22. And I mean, I didn't realize you were that young. I was 22 years old. And so did you guys just like right off the bat connect? We did. We definitely did. And it was we've I mean, here we are 29 years later, and we're still together. And this day and age, that's an accomplishment. You know, it is. It is. It's quite an accomplishment. So you know, it sounds weird. But I had, you know, my dad had passed away. 
there was some years there. And then Mike was there. You know, my husband was there with me. He became the man in your life. He did. That's good. And you guys are still together and you have one son, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A 26-year-old son. <laughs> yeah. not much of a kid anymore. No, he's but... a grown man now. And he's yeah. super tall. <laughs> Yeah, he's a great big guy. But I have a question because I know about I know about your hobbies. And I'd mentioned this in the intro, but you are accomplished crocheter. Yes. When did you pick that up? And did you learn yourself? Tell me a little bit about Yeah, you know, I did. It's really crazy because I didn't learn how to crochet until I was in my 40s. I just I took to it. It it just I don't know what happened. I just picked up that crochet hook and it spoke to me and it was it. It was on and I learned fast and I have taught everything. So yeah, you've continued that cycle and you're teaching others. Yeah, but you did you learn from books or videos or how did you did you go to like classes or what? I learned from books. I learned from videos. I learned all of it on my own, just researching everything I could find. I'd go to the library all the time and find books and just join some crochet groups online. I would talk to people and just learn from everyone. Yeah. Any Anyone who could teach me anything, I'd see things that I loved and just wanted to learn how to make them. So I did. Oh, I love that. <laughs> then fast forward however many years and you're working with Twinkie Chan. Yes. Tell me about how that happened. Like how well, did that even come about? So you're a crochet. You love it, right? I crochet. Yeah. I love it, but I'm not working with professional artists. Like how I did know. that even come about? That was amazing. You know, it was the weirdest thing. I just, she put, she just put posted something on an Instagram story. She had this big crochet installation, art installation coming up. She needed two crocheters. She needed two more crocheters to finish her team. She was looking for 10 altogether. She needed two more. And I thought, I'm not going to get this. I know I'm not going to get this, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to send her my work. And I'm going to- So you knew of her before you were like following her work. I was a huge fan of her. I loved her. I had her books and I was just like, I'm doing this. I'm going to try. I, like I said, I thought there's no way I'm getting this, you know? That is so crazy. It was the weirdest thing. One night I'm checking my emails and she's in California. So she's three hours behind us. And I'm like, oh my God, there was an email. She had hired me as being a part of her team. And I, it was late at night, so I couldn't even like call anybody, but I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe freaking it. Freaking out. I was gosh, definitely so freaking awesome. out. Yeah, I was so I mean, excited. gosh, I feel like the life lesson there is just go for it. Like, oh, yeah. take a chance. What do you have to lose? You know, fill out that application, send, fill out that, submit that form online, whatever you want to do. It, you just never know. You know, you she probably saw your work right I mean mm-hmm. you probably had to give her some sort of website information or something so she yeah could see I just her. send her samples I had to send her several samples of work and I sent her a letter and I just I thought Super there's exciting. no I thought there's no way I'm gonna get this and then I got it two people and I thought no nah, yeah you know. but one you win every year pretty much you get ribbons yes. and awards and stuff at the fairs and yeah. the shows and everything you're just you're totally awesome when it comes to that it's so cool it was so weird because like one thing out of this COVID I mean this whole thing has been so awful but it's left me being the reigning champion in Cuyahoga County <laughs> yes I love that that's so I got awesome. two best in shows last year and I thought well 
I get to be the champ for another year. <laughs> I mean, your resume, though, is like just getting better and better. Maybe someday yeah. you should write your own book. I've thought Make about patterns. that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. if you ever need any input on publishing, I'm here for you. Thank you. That's a journey in and of it. The, the book world is just, that was a huge learning process for me. I mean, I spent probably around a year like listening to publishing podcasts and Mm -hmm. doing my own research, just trying to figure out which direction was best for my book. And even still, it's like a struggle with COVID. My book was published on March 10th. And then March 13th, it was like, we all shut down for COVID. Yeah. So literally probably should have sat on my book until like now, but I think I might do a relaunch and do a soft cover edition. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of something in the works. But again, it's like, you know, when it comes down to something that you love and something that you feel like you have worth sharing, right? don't, don't ever limit that, you know, like if... If you've got some cool patterns or some things that you've come up with, some of your blanket designs are really cool. Like Thank the ones you. that you've done after like shows and stuff. I see your stuff and I'm always just like, this is so cool, you know? Thank you. It brings me joy. It brings me nothing but complete joy to make, yeah. to crochet, to work, to plan, even the planning process, the finding, figuring out the colors, all of it. Yeah. It just, it brings yeah. me joy from beginning to end. So I love it. Yeah. It's I so get, good. I get disappointed when I finish a project because <laughs> it's over, oh, you know? Yeah. The chapter's closed. Yes. Oh, yes. that's kind of sad. But do you so. feel like, okay, so here's a good question for you. Do you feel like this journey with crochet, you've, you've gone from not knowing how, starting in your forties and going through the past number of years, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're accomplished. I, I don't think there's any way to deny that that whole journey of like learning and now you can sort of like look back at your path and be like yes I have the knowledge like I am a qualified like at some point as a maker Mm -hmm. you realize that it is a part of your identity you know what oh, I, mean? I definitely like, do while oh, you're yeah. building your resume oh. like it becomes yeah. easier for you to say like I'm a you know master crochet or whatever the term is that you use like for me mm-hmm. I'm a painter and the big one for me was I'm an author like what who says that but I I mean I am you, you know are. like I'm an author and an illustrator so it's weird though but my question is do you feel like that journey has inspired you to learn in other places in your life where oh, you're sort yeah. of like more more fearless to do it definitely it gave me confidence that I never had so I've definitely gained quite a bit of confidence in myself you know just doing things that I never thought that I could do you know like getting that job with Twinkie Chan and now I'm I work for her she yeah she'll send me messages if she needs me for something you know you guys are cronies yeah you know I love it we're just, you know, chatting it up. She's like, oh, you know, how's your husband doing? Or, you know, just asking me random questions. So yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. And for my listeners, anyone who's listening, if you're wondering who Twinkie Chan is, she's a famous crochet designer and artist. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she has a piece called Intangible, a fiber fairy tale where her work is displayed at the Sweet Tooth Hotel in Dallas, Texas. And this is the piece. It's a large installation piece, correct? Yes. Yes. And is it just on display or can you actually walk in? into it oh no you walk into it it's so you're you're experiencing it you experience all of it it's all around you you can touch it you can it's all around you there's just rooms developed throughout the sweet tooth hotel and they're all just cool i kind of want to go see it yeah i know it is and with it's um 
I haven't been able to go see it because of the COVID yeah. and, and everything else. But you know, well, yeah, shoot, if you definitely. ever, if you ever uh, get up the guts to take a quick trip, let me know. Maybe I'll go with you. We'll do a weekend. Yeah, it would be, be fun, fun. You know, I know. I know. Is it on permanent display there? Or do you think it'll move around, or do you not know? No, it go. It's going to be there until July. Of this summer. So, and then after that, of course, they're going to have something else moving into the yeah. museum at that point. But they got kind of a late start with the yeah. whole thing. This so. pandemic has really rained on everyone's parade, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And speaking of the pandemic for you, the big thing that we oh. want to talk about is your husband's health struggles this past yes. year right yes. and the journey through just learning how to be a supportive uh, partner mm-hmm. yeah my husband had a heart attack back in August and it was followed just a few days later by a coronary artery bypass surgery and there was actually five arteries that had been replaced in his heart so Which is, what would be the term for that a quintet it's a cab g times five wow so, yeah yeah Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a quadruple bypass, but it ended up being five. Yeah. And that was, that was a shock of a lifetime. So when he um, had his heart attack, you took him to the hospital right then and there? No, or was actually. was he just in like weird pain and didn't know what was going on? Yeah, he wasn't feeling well. He was having a lot of congestion and he kept saying he was having. Um, like cough congestion? Yeah, he was having a lot of oh, congestion. Wow. He kept saying he was having an allergy attack. My son and I had left. My son's birthday was the very next day. My son and I had left to go get the birthday cake. We get to Cheesecake Factory to go pick up a cake. <sighs> and Yum. my husband called and said, I am having a heart attack. I just called 911. So it, it, it was just that fast. So Wow. So yeah. he called himself. He Gosh, called himself. Good thing he did that. Holy he smokes. called himself. Yeah. That's so, so scary. So then you said, what, two days later he was in surgery? Yeah, that was on Sunday. And then by Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning, he was having his surgery. That was an unbelievable experience. With the COVID, they wouldn't let anyone in the hospital with me. So I had to be there by myself um, the whole day and not really knowing what to expect because you have to remember at that time, we weren't really allowed to be in the hospitals. So they they weren't really letting me up there. I couldn't really see him. So I finally was able to see him the day before the surgery. And I hadn't seen him since Sunday. Oh my God. Finally, the day before the surgery, I didn't know what to think. I was at home and I was, we were doing FaceTime, you know, and that was all I could do. And when I went into the hospital, the surgeon was there and he said, if my husband didn't get that surgery, he had a 98% chance of death by the end of the month. And we didn't even know there was anything wrong with him. I mean, my husband goes to the doctor regularly. We had no idea that there was anything there. So it's literally a miracle that he's still alive. It, It really is. It really is. The people in the hospital were amazing. It was very, very tough being there alone. I was the girl who was just laying on a couch all day long for hours and hours and hours crying and not really knowing what's happening, you know, alone. It, you, you don't have any support. You, you don't, his, you know, no one's allowed to come. My son wasn't allowed to come. Oh my gosh. That so, must have been so hard for all of you guys. You know? It was. Yeah. It like, was not just hard. him, but you needing his support and being there you know to have to deal with like sorry you can't come that's just heartbreaking right right gosh and so scary for him you know it's his dad mm-hmm. like, he can't that's yeah just crazy no he was at home he was at home just not yeah not knowing 
And, you know, people were afraid to text me or call me, of course, because they didn't know how I was feeling or what I was doing. And to be honest with you, I really didn't have anything to give. So I was, I was using all of my energy to just get through the day, to just get through that day. So, so then how, how many hours was he in surgery? Uh, it was about all together. It was about eight hours. So, and you know, it was really strange though, because they told me that when he was going to come out of surgery, what I was going to see when I, they were going to let me go in there to see him for 15 minutes. They said, what you're going to see is going to be burned into your brain the rest of your life. And they really had me scared because I didn't really know what I was looking at, what I was walking into. And I really felt sick. I felt really terrified. And so when I went in there, I kind of peeked around the corner and I remember he, he seeing his legs kicking and his arms kick grabbing and he is moving around. And I suddenly got this feeling of joy. And I thought, my God, he's okay. Cause he, he yeah. was being combative and, yeah. and moving around and agitated. Suddenly I was smiling. It, I was happy. And they're telling me, Oh, you're going to be so scared and it's going to be awful. And I, I never been so happy to see someone in my whole life. Yeah, he, was, he was alive. He was alive. And that's all I could see. I mean, I was just like doing a happy dance. And I know they all thought I was crazy. And the, he was alive. I mean, yeah, he looked terrible. He just went through open heart surgery, you yeah. know. And the hard part also was the fact that he had a, the trach in and they they're not allowed to take that out until he's completely awake. Yeah. And that's where you have to so put your... So he couldn't talk or anything. Oh, no, he couldn't talk. And that's where you have to kind of put your emotions away. Because it's, you want to cry, you want to, you know, think, my God, what's going on, but you, you really can't because you have to be there for that person. You have to yeah. do your best to, to be there and to let them know that this, everything is okay. I understand yeah. that this is bothering you in your throat. He had that in there for hours while he was awake. It was literally oh. about four to five hours. He was wide awake and that was in there That's and they horrible. can't take it out because they may have to push it back in if you're not completely awake oh, with the blood work God. coming back. Yeah. And they don't want to do that. So that was, so they wait until like they're sure basically. Yeah. They get blood work back that tells them that the anesthesia is completely worn off. It's, it's over, you know, you're, you're going to be okay. And that's when they take it out. It's a process. I mean, I never saw anything like it in my life. You know, you see things, but walking in there, he had hoses and, you know, drain tubes in his stomach, all of this equipment on the floor. I mean, just, it was just like this well-oiled machine all around him, Yeah, all around him, just keeping him alive. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And I think it's so, it's really telling of who you are though, when that you like, were just happy he was alive. Oh, you know? because thank I you. I think it's so easy to get caught up in like, oh my God, look what happened to you. Look at this cut. Look at this thing. Look at this tube. Like, yeah. And while you were still soaking all that in, you were taking it on. You knew you had to be supportive for him and be that rock, you know? Yeah. And I just think that's so key. You know, when you're, when you're supporting someone through something like that, you have to be able to compartmentalize mentalize the trauma in a way mm-hmm. and you know at some point you're going to have to deal with it you're going to have to learn how to heal and process and let it out I think talking about it like we're doing right now is always a good thing just because once you once you tell it it sort of like normalizes it a little bit where you're like okay I can tell this in a story you know it doesn't necessarily like heal the emotional trauma mm-hmm. but it definitely levels it out to where you're like you know I can handle this and and then you start looking for the positive 
lives in the experience, you know. So yeah. after he had his surgery, then how long was he there for and before he got home to where you were really having to help him at home? Well, he was, the surgery was on Wednesday, Sunday. The following Sunday, I brought him home. Wow, and so he was there for like a week. Yeah, he was there for a week. Okay. From the day he had the heart attack, Sunday to the following Sunday. I There was a lot to bringing him home. It This was not an easy thing. He, he had a giant incision down the front of him. He had still a drain hose on him. A lot of scary stuff was going on. There was a yeah. lot of medicine. Pharmacy didn't even have all the medicines I needed. I had to really work at getting them. What? Yeah, they didn't have them all. They had to have them brought in. Wow. There was about 12 to 13 different types of medications. I had to make sure he got all of this. I mean, he was still pretty out of it. I had spent a lot of time thinking about it, how it was going to work once he came home, uh, preparing. Yeah. My son had brought a recliner into the living room so that he had a place to sleep and stay because he couldn't go up and down the stairs. He had to kind of stay in one area. So Aww. there was a lot of preparation. And, and, you know, once he came home, I had a lot to do. There was constant care and I didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of did whatever I thought I needed to do. Yeah. You were just going through the motions. Just going through the motions. I was just mm -hmm. taking care of everything. There was a time at night about nine 30, he'd take his pills and I would go out on the back porch and I'd drink a beer real quick because I thought I have a few minutes. I'm going to relax. And that was my relaxation time. I'd have <sighs> a few minutes because he'd go to sleep from the medicine. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to go in the back patio it was summertime i'm going to rest for a few minutes make any phone calls i need to make and come back yeah. in gosh that's something man so how long was it then for you like with his physical recovery where you felt like you were really having to manage his care um it was quite a while it, <laughs> he was home from work for a couple of months and until okay. really until he went back to work and even after and even now still i i really there's I'm always keeping an eye on them. I'm always watching. I'm always making sure everything's right. Doctor's appointments are scheduled. He's doing everything he's supposed to be doing. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's been ongoing. I mean, here we are seven months later and it's still yeah. ongoing. Yeah. It's a continued thing. Yeah. That's so, that's really something. And yeah. I just think it's, it's amazing that he had you you know, to oh, thank lean you. on. I feel like you had mentioned when you guys met that he was kind of like your man in your life. That happened pretty quickly. And he filled that void for you that your dad, you know, not saying you thought of him as a dad, but right, just right. having a man in your life, he mm -hmm. kind of filled that void. And now it's like you're kind of really there for him through this mm -hmm. whole thing. You've been his rock and you've had to find time for yourself. And with that, you know, do you feel like you've had to focus on that balance of really maintaining your own mental health? Has that oh. become more of a priority for you? Yes, um, it really has. I, I spent a lot of time trying to take care of Mike. In the meanwhile, I wasn't taking care of myself so great. I was yeah. trying my best. But, you know, even myself, I started having blood pressure issues anxiety. I started having some panic attacks. Distress. Yeah. A lot of stress, a lot of worry. Yeah. I spent a lot of time going, I went to the doctor and the doctor tried yeah. to talk to me. He wanted to put me on some medication because he thought that I was maybe going a little crazy, you know, cause I told him I was having some panic attacks. He wanted to put me on some medication and I thought about that and I thought about the way he was talking to me and I didn't really like it. And the doctor had known, you know, what I had gone through with my husband and I really thought this, this isn't the right plan for me. Yeah. I'm going to go home and I'm going to think about this. I don't need this medication. I've been through a traumatic situation 
in my life. You know, I need to take care of myself. I need to calm down. I need to learn to manage these panic attacks and I need to do it on my own. Medication was not something I needed. I just, I didn't like the way that that doctor had made me feel as though I was crazy or that there was something wrong with me. Well, and just the whole, like, I feel like that's just the Western medicine approach. Like just take a pill and then, oh, by the way, once you're on this pill, we're going to have to give you another pill to help alleviate the side effects. Side effects of the other pill. (laughs) I know. I'm the same way. I remember when I was having panic attacks, this was in my early thirties. I ended up in the hospital. I thought I was having a heart attack from stress in my life. Just multiple things sort of started stacking up. And they told me they ran all the tests. They're like, nope, you're not having a heart attack. But my chest, I mean, it was frightening. Like the pain and the pressure that I was feeling. I was like, this is it. Like I'm dying right now, you know? Yeah. And they scary. told me you're, you're super healthy. You're just really stressed out. And they recommended that I go see a counselor. And so my first thing, I was like you. I went, I found one that I felt comfortable with. Um, You know, for me personally, I didn't want to have a religious affiliation or like faith-based counseling. I needed someone to like be, I just, to me, like I I didn't want to pray it away. I needed like real coping skills and real things to deal with some of the stuff that I was, I was struggling with. And um, I found this counselor and the first time I remember telling her, I was like, I don't want medication. I'm sane. And I know I'm sane. I just right. need to learn how to deal with these boundary issues with some people in my life. And I need to learn how to cope with the stress. And it was probably like the second session or third session. She actually told me that I had PTSD and she identified my triggers. Um, yeah. And that sounds like something you might want to look into because it was surprising. I have looked into it. Yes. I was like, what do you mean PTSD? Like, I just thought that was like something that people get from like really horrible things, but But, you know, you have to remember that when it comes to trauma, everyone has their range of normal and traumatic. And just because your range is not as drastic as someone else's, like, you know, you haven't been in a a war or something overseas, like you still have that end of your spectrum, which is trauma. And Mm -hmm. so we all experience trauma in, in different ways. And depending on the severity of the trauma and how it affects you can end up with PTSD and you can end up with triggers where, you know, talking about it or having some sort of similar situation comes up and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're you're experiencing the physical effects of whatever that traumatic thing was. And I went into um, a talk therapy program called EMDR. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. So EMDR literally changed my life. <laughs> I've talked about it a few times on a couple of different episodes and even on my friend Mel, she has a podcast called Plant Ahead where she focuses on like holistic wellness and things like that. But EMDR is, uh, what is it, like eye movement desensitization reprocessing or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really did change my life because I was able to take the trauma that I had experienced at, throughout my life and sort of compartmentalize my memories and separate them from the like almost like self mantras or like feelings that you have like generally when you experience trauma there's a feeling there that is the root of it like that you say to yourself like for me it was like I'm helpless there's nothing I could do in the moments that I was struggling my life and the trauma that I had felt growing up I would tell myself like there it doesn't matter how I act right now I could be super nice I could be whatever it was still gonna go down the way it went down and Mm -hmm. so that became my like inner thing that I would say to myself like it doesn't 
doesn't matter what I do here. Like, I just have to bit, grin and bear this treatment, you know? And it was repeated and it was just this constant thing that got me down. But it really did change my life. EMDR, I feel like I have a better handle on some of the traumatic experiences that I've had in my life. And I mean, it's seriously amazing. And it's just talk therapy. Like, there's no medicine involved or anything. It's so strange. And that's the best. That's the best therapy. And I found just talking. I mean, I have good friends. I have a good family. And talking and just just people just letting you talk about it. You know, letting you tell them about how you felt or how afraid you are. Or, you know, a big one for me was I was was afraid it was going to happen again. I had it in my mind that my husband was going to die. And when I was in the hospital that day, there, there was a man who asked the woman who was working there, what's wrong with her? Because I literally just walked around the whole day and cried. That's all I did. And I didn't care how I looked. I wasn't even thinking about it. All I was thinking about was he's not going to make it. He's going to die. And I got to figure out how I'm going to handle this when he does. Even after coming home, it was just like looking at him and I'm thinking, my God, he's going to die. He's going to die. And I couldn't get that out of my head. I was so afraid. It's got to be, I mean, that is just the ultimate fear right there because it's the unknown and it's constant and it's literally the other side of that fear. If something were to happen is your whole life changing, you know? And it would. Yes. (laughs) My best friend. It's mind-blowing. It is. My best friend, her husband passed away two years ago, kind of suddenly from he had cancer. He got sick pretty suddenly. And he had passed away. You know, here we are two years later, and then my husband has a heart attack. And her and I, we're having these conversations now where we're both going, if we would have known the conversations that we would be having now 10 years ago, we would have never believed it. Unbelievable. We'd have never believed it. That whole post journey of like losing your spouse would be so fresh in your mind, having your friend going through it. And then you're like, is this happening right now? Right. I know. What? I know. Oh I know. Gosh, it's horrible when. Yeah. It's horrible. But you're yeah. you're coming out on top, and you you're learning through the way. You know, I feel oh, like absolutely. whenever we talk, you're always just shining a light on what what you can learn from every situation. Yeah, I definitely do. I always do. I I always. That's my biggest thing: joy and having a positive outlook. I can yeah. find joy. Joy is the best feeling in the world. And I agree. you know, having a positive outlook, or you know, even like when you're talking to people or whatever. There's just so many times where people are so negative. They want to think the worst of everybody. They want to think someone mm-hmm. said this or said that to hurt them. That's not always yeah. the case. Right. It's not always the case. You know, yeah. you have to just try to be positive. I agree. So tell me more about, you know, the ways that you choose to like continue to learn through life when you're thinking about like the present and possibly into the future. Like what are your, you know, how do you feel about you as a lifelong learner? Well, I right now I'm at this moment in my life where I'm kind of taking things one day at a time very very slowly staying in the present I'm going stride by stride staying in the present I'm thankful for everything I'm thankful for everything I have I'm thankful for everything that I've accomplished and I feel as though I'm grateful and I'm taking a little bit of a break (laughs) yeah No, I'm with you. This this pandemic has pushed me to a point where, and I'm sure you can relate to this feeling, but you know that imposter syndrome can kick in when you're a maker and when you're an artist and oh, yeah. having no markets, which was, I never realized how much those meant to me. Like, I just was like, you know what, I'm going to get out there, sell my stuff, get some exposure, make some money. Yeah. But the interaction that I have with my customers or even just people who come in and 
browse. Like the feedback that you get, sometimes you meet certain people that it just like inspires your whole like direction and where you want to go as a creative. And it's been tough. Like, <laughs> yeah, I found it too. Being oh tough. God, I'm struggling so bad with the imposter syndrome. Like, am I even meant to do what I'm doing? And like just questioning everything. And I've just realized like this past couple of weeks that I've been feeling really empty as a creative and I'm just not getting what I need out of it. And it it forces me to realize that there's this level of like personal creativity that I need to pursue at a constant level. It's something that keeps me from being depressed. It keeps me feeling worth something. I don't know what. (laughs) It's been that way my whole life. And I just, I do a lot of things. I'm pursuing my master's. I'm an educator, which is super fulfilling. I do make stuff and sell stuff all the time. I have my watercolor paintings, this podcast, but still, I just feel like I'm missing something and I'm realizing I need to reignite that flame of just painting for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So you it's, know, the, pro- it's, the project that I'm working on right now. Ooh, tell me, tell me. Yeah, this is good. I, I'm really liking this, but it's kind of a little weird. But when I was in the hospital waiting for my husband, I had, of course, you know, I had yarn with me. It was everywhere. I wasn't working with it. I was laying down, or but I had it with me. So yeah. I had this one green ball of yarn there and I just, I used it as a pillow and, you know, I was laying down and I just kept resting my head on it and stuff and I couldn't use it. So I still have it. And I'm thinking, I can't use this. I didn't want to use it. Weird, right? Well, I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? I am going to make a pillow out of it and I'm going to put, I'm going to incorporate hearts into the crochet. I'm going to do like a tapestry. So that's what I'm doing. I'm working on a tapestry crochet piece. I'm turning this into a pillow and I yeah. Love that. yeah, so it's because you're still going to have it. I'm still going to have it. And, and you're using yeah. it as you were, which is yes. full circle. You're full making circle. it into something, but it's still going to be a pillow. Still going <laughs> to be my it. pillow. That's yep. amazing. See, and I think it comes and goes with ebbs and flows of life. Just like realizing what can I do with my creativity that will help heal me in some way, you know, mm-hmm. to build closure. For me, I feel like this is the best metaphor I can use to describe it. If a tree had, which they do say science shows trees do have feelings and they can hear you and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But if I was a tree, this is so silly, but if I was a tree, I feel like I have this branch that's about to just start stemming off and it's like under the pressure, breaking through the bark of the main of the main trunk. And it's just about to be like and chewed (laughs) off into a whole new area, you know, and that's I'm just I keep going back to this feeling of feeling empty. And it's like, how am I? How? How do I feel so empty? How? I have so much going on in my life and it keeps, it haunts me. Like I think about it right before I go to bed, right after I wake up in the morning. Yeah. You're waiting need for to something do. to be inspired by. It's got to be for me this time. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and I will continue to take on my commission work, but there's something about painting and letting your soul sort of oh, come yes. out onto whatever. Like for me, I know I need to get back into painting can on canvas. Like it was my first real love with art and I just need to do it. I gotta get it out and I have visions in my head and I'm sick of them stirring up. I feel like they just if you let them churn for long enough they blend and like go down the drain like you gotta get it do. out. <laughs> yeah you God. do. You gotta even get it like out a sketchbook. Yes yeah. like even a sketchbook I feel like doesn't do it justice because I'm a colorist and I'm sure you are too. I oh, yeah. see things in color. I My thoughts have colors associated with them. My feelings have colors associated with them and when I'm in my sketchbook I mean maybe I just need to spend more time 
time on that, but I just feel like I I need to get get the color version out or it's going to go to waste. It's going to so go away. I'm, yeah. Yeah. So I'm in the process of sort of revamping and rearranging my studio space because I want to set up my easel and I have like a table. I'm, I've got some experimental techniques I'm going to start getting into and trying some new stuff. So, but it is, it's a, it's a journey being creative, you know? Oh, it's definitely a journey. It's the best journey. It's the Tell best journey. Tell me about your, your yarn bombing plans that you have that you're continuing on and how that helped you cope with some of the hardships that you've had in supporting your husband through this health crisis? Yeah, you know, I have gotten into yarn bombing, which is, for those of you who don't know what it is, you just, you take yarn and you just adorn it on trees or fences or whatever. You know, you can make cozies for things. You could wrap a bench in a park. It's actually really cool. If you don't know what it is, Google it. Do a Google search because it's it's a well-known thing it's pretty sweet I have yet to see a yarn bomb in real life really I've seen them before the project that I've been working on is going to be on a fence in my backyard and it's going to be just different components the motivation was my husband and getting well and recovering and how I felt during that time and it's I'm hoping that it comes out really beautiful but it's it's gonna be awesome yeah I'm I'm just really looking forward to, to finishing it I've been working on different pieces and I've been working on it since shortly after so and I I've created a little um, Instagram page where I'm going to be posting little pieces that I've made and putting it all together stars and daydreams yes and I have it in the show notes too so if you want to follow Wendy she has two Instagram handles Wendy crochet in the falls and then stars underscore and underscore daydreams that's That's it you know what I have a story for you I gotta tell you the artwork that you made when you're coping mm-hmm. is the best artwork you can make really I remember my grandparents I'm going to sum the story up but my grandparents were together their whole lives this is my mom's parents from high school and they ended up passing away of their own separate causes literally 46 hours apart mm, wow. they were in the same hospice center next door to each other the last night that my grandma was alive they actually she was showing signs of active death and they wheeled my grandpa in they were both in comas and they had them hold hands what a love story oh my gosh it was like the notebook it was just surreal that's something and while she passed away my grandpa had been struggling with alzheimer's and losing his ability to do everything and he had a dnr so Mm -hmm. they weren't able to give him an iv or a feeding tube or anything he didn't want any of that uh somehow he lasted without water or an iv for like i don't know it was like eight or nine days and in the end he passed away like without warning Nobody knew, and it was just like after the fact, we're like, oh my god, grandpa passed away. It was like my grandma died at like 7 a.m. ish, somewhere in there, and then my grandpa passed away two days later at five in the five o'clock hour. And it was so surreal. It was such a surreal time for me because emotionally, they were like my parents. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up looking to them for everything, like what love was like, because my parents were divorced, and you know what I mean? And it was just like a weird, I never really saw that. They got divorced when I was three. My mom was single for really my entire childhood into adulthood and so I learned from them everything and I I spent so much time over there because my mom was working and I really felt like on an emotional level I I was losing my parents it was like that's how close I was to them and I was going 
we were going there every day the last couple months to see them and get time in and just have any sort of interaction that we could in the end. But so they passed away 46 hours apart, which is so surreal. It was so hard. I couldn't believe it. But at the same time, we were all like, what, but what would it be like to see one morning over the other? Like they were together their entire lives. That would be just something I don't even think I'd want to see. Like, right. I guess this was how it was supposed to be. And I feel like mm-hmm. grandpa just tried so hard to stay alive. He didn't want to leave her behind. Oh my gosh. So she passed away first. And then not even two days later, he passed away. And throughout this week, this last week, and then those couple of days, especially the last couple of days when my grandma passed away, I remember taking this drawing that I had of two trees and like the negative space between them with the branches intertwining was a heart. Okay. And I took it and I transferred it onto a linoleum block and I started carving it. When my grandma passed, when she passed away, I started carving frantically. I couldn't stop working on it. I just couldn't stop. And then the day my grandpa died, you'd think I would just want to sit and just mourn. I was out in the garage making oh, prints. Yeah. I mean, like a, I was just like a freight train. I couldn't stop and it was my way of coping. And it was such a hard day for me, but I ended up giving those prints to a lot of my family members and I have one hanging and it's every day I look at it and it's one of my favorite pieces that I'll ever make even though it's relatively simple it's just a black print on white paper Mm -hmm. but it came from a time during my life when I was absolutely beside myself you know yeah when things are hard that's my my creation is eyes crocheted eyes tears falling but then I have the flowers and I love it I seriously can't wait to see it the tears they watered those flowers so those flowers can grow and you know there's a lot with the moon and the stars and different things I like I said before I spent a lot of time outside on my patio at night yes. that was that was you know a place where I would go where I could cry or I could spend some time alone to think or reflect and so that's why I had this idea and yeah you know in your uh, the, fence in your backyard the fence on my backyard the heart there's a heart that's right above those eyes and I cannot wait to see that's my husband anyone heart. listening gosh it's so amazing seriously when i feel like it needs like a i don't even know like a website or something like it's just such an awesome story that you use this it's like a yarn mural almost yeah you know, it's, that that's you're doing. what it is yeah and yeah. it tells it's kind of a symbol of the whole journey of just the fear and then you know the healing and it's a continued thing you know like the flowers they're soft and delicate it's not mm-hmm. they're not made of steel it could change at any point and I feel like you really embodied that with just the whole the whole process. It's just so cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to come over. I told Wendy I was going to come over and take some cool pictures for her when it's all done. You let me know. Yeah. You know, because that's going to go on the fence. And over time, I mean, it's it's going to fade and it's it's not going to look so great anymore. It's going to get wet. and, and Yeah, you need some I'm, good pictures. Yeah, I'm leaving it up there, though, until it, it starts to fall apart. So. Well, you let me know when it's all done. I'm coming over. <laughs> I will. I definitely will do that. Seriously, I will put it on my calendar and I will be there to take some pictures for you. You let me know. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. When? So to finish up this podcast, I feel like we have talked about so many things, you know, with trauma within your family and trying to support your spouse, being a creative through hard times. If there's anybody who's, you know, connecting with your story in any way and it feels like maybe they're having some similar struggles, what do you feel is like the most valuable piece of advice that you could give them? The most valuable piece of advice I could give them would be to 
really, really listen to your family, listen to people when they talk to you, pay attention to what they're saying. And um, don't always be so quick to put your emotions out there. Hold on to those sometimes. I had times there where I, I just needed to, I just needed to hold back a little bit and yeah. let my husband, he was just going through things that he had no idea of. So if I was to cry, if I was to get emotional, if I was to get, it wasn't going to help him. Yeah. So, you know, hanging on to your emotions sometimes and just holding back a little bit and just stepping back and looking at the situation first and right. finding other ways to sort of offload that energy, you know, yeah, like absolutely. you said, you sat out on the porch and you had that time every night that became mm -hmm. your time for you, you know, to sort of mm -hmm. heal and gain some closure, at least on the day. Yeah. Yeah. And using yeah. creativity. Using creativity. Yeah. I, I really find, you know, I have found, and this was a big thing that I learned is to really pay close attention to people when they're talking to you because they're going to yeah. tell you things I, I'm not feeling well or a lot of times people get really angry and you don't know why and sometimes it's because maybe they don't feel well maybe they have right. a health issue or yeah. you know who knows but really yeah. just just listen and don't be so quick to respond all the time to everything that yeah. people say I feel like the smartest people are the, the habitual listeners rather than the ones that talk too much really true really it really says true a lot about you know you can learn from the people around you I've I have a whole uh, episode on that, just like learning from others and learning from the world around you. And I think that's definitely true, you know, to have that mm -hmm. inner sponge always open. You never know when you're going to have somebody come across you know, your path that offers you some sort of really important knowledge or perspective. Or like you're saying, like when he was communicating his feelings to you, like really listening and being yes. aware of what the person that's talking to you, especially if you care about them, what they're saying. You what know? they're saying. And there were many times at the hospital where nurses were saying things to me and I could have stood there and cried or I could stand there and really listen to what they're saying and hold my shit together, you know? Yeah. And I'm like the whole time, when you got to hold your shit together, I don't care what these people say to you. You're going to listen and you're going to try to breathe and you're going to try to stay calm and absorb it. So you always do the right thing or at least yeah. try to do the right thing here. Yeah. And you did it. And I feel like it's going to just this whole experience while it was probably your worst nightmare, you know, oh, it definitely them, was. it's it definitely almost, was. it's almost giving you the perspective on like, and I feel like it's like that with any sort of traumatic thing that you make it through. It's like, okay, I'm stronger because of it. Oh you know? yeah. I've realized I have strength within me that I never knew I had that I really I doubted that I ever had and I it's funny because my mom will tell me you are so strong Wendy you are so strong and she, it, it's not that she's amazed by it it's just that she's so incredibly proud of me yeah and she's telling so. you and that's that's important too like if yeah. you have feelings about someone or something that's a good thing like don't just keep it inside because for whatever reason like tell them you know that mm -hmm. it's good for you to hear too that your mom would say that thing to you and yeah it's an encouraging moment for sure yeah well geez Wendy I feel like we just had such a good conversation and we really talked about a lot of things I love that we got to explore our creativity together and we for those of you I mentioned earlier we're second cousins and I definitely think we connect that way on a creative level and I can talk to you about my creativity in ways that I can't talk to a lot of other people in our family because yes they're not creative they don't understand that part of your soul that like yeah they don't you have how our to. minds work yeah no and you have to like 
I feel like with this recent realization with painting, like I have to listen or it's going to start driving me crazy. I, I yes. have to do it. You have this to, yeah, you have to just listen to your soul yeah. and just start doing it. Yeah. Just let it flow, baby. So I appreciate you. I just want you to know that for well, being that you. person in the family that I can come to about my creativity and not sound like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you too. Oh, well, thanks, Wen, for being on. It was so much fun. Absolutely. So there you have it, guys. Another episode down. That one was very, very special to me. Like I said, my second cousin. She's my other creative counterpart in the family, which I love. I hope you guys enjoyed that and just really took a minute to think about your own life and what passions you might have and how those can kind of carry you through the hard times as well. If you're wondering what's up with my voice, fun fact about me, I'm allergic to dandelions and it is dandelion season. So I'm just chilling here with the little rasp in my voice this week, which is good times. But as I let you go, I just want to relay, as always, a heartfelt thank you through the sound waves from my soul to yours. I appreciate your time and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review. Share this episode with someone that you feel may benefit. Head on over to floatonpodcast.com to add us on social media and see updates. I'm your host, Dahlia Jean. Until next time, float on.